Fashion Lab Africa. Real conversations, real fashion. Hello, five stars. Welcome to Fashion Lab Radio. Let's hand on over straight to Liz. Hi, Liz. Hello. How are you guys? We're good in you. We're good. Thank you. For those who are tuned in, thank you for joining us again this is the fashion lab the show that dissects the business behind fashion and we are coming to you with a recap show uh just to sort of get us back into the flow of things you know the shows come and go and sometimes you need a bit of a sort of a what do you call it a boost to just sort of remind you of what's really um in conversation uh we definitely have been touching base uh on, a, on different topics we also mentioned and we started off the year uh, with you guys and your mind, you know, your insights and what you want to hear more of. We've already started touching a bit on that, but this is where we hold it down every Tuesday between 7 to 9 p.m. Central African time, and it is all about recap. Now, we want to just focus today on the four last topics, which include the People's Show, uh, which is where you guys shared with us what you want to hear more of, what you want us to talk about. Uh, we also touched on economic robbery, uh, which is also something we're going to open up a bit on. Uh, we touched on the fashion trending in Kenya, uh, which is also a show that allowed us to sort of explore what's really trending in the streets of Nairobi using the designer studio as a reference point. And then we also touched on something that's very important, hashtag Know Your Africa, which is African Textiles 101, joined by Madhu Angelou of Afrixtabel. So we're going to be touching on that. But before we go into deep, um, let's, share and introduce the contributors who also bring the show to life. Uh, we are joined by our contributor and partner, Egypt Hanson, who runs his uh, NU in New York, and uh, he brings together or sort of brings to life that echoes from New York. Welcome to the show, Edgy. Hi, Liz. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Nice to be back on. I mean, it's been ages. <laughs> yes, well, welcome back. Welcome back. Who are you wearing? Who made your clothes? <laughs> Today, I'm honestly working from my warehouse, so I'm just slumming it. I'm wearing um, Rathlo and PJs, mostly. Ralph Lauren PJs. Yes. <laughs> and I feel good. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. All right, guys. I mean, I tell you, some things never cease to amaze me on this show, but thank you for joining us, Edgy. I'm going to also reintroduce Mbali, who's holding it down from Joe Berg as well. Mbali, thank you for holding it down there. Welcome to the show as well. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the Hi, show everyone. that you're hosting. <laughs> Hi, Liz. Hi, everyone. How are uh, hi. Uh, who are you wearing? Surprises and who made your clothes? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm wearing this mustard doily pattern dress and it's from Zara. So I don't know who from Zara, but Zara. <laughs> I'm not sure which segment, which designer, but all I know is I walked into Zara and that's what I bought. So it's a yellow mustard summer dress. It was very hot in Joba today, so that's what I wore today. Hmm. I guess it's hot. It's hot everywhere except where Edgy is, but it's okay. It's also hot where I am. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold where I am, but I'm being like seriously. You're, 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 in China. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh my. So, okay, guys. I'm not all. I'm not in a big happy mood. <laughs> okay. 
yeah the the corona this is not the corona show guys this is the fashion lab but yeah it's touching on everything and it's really unfortunate you know today i actually saw something that was just a bit shocking like how the guys are you know when they get diagnosed with the corona and then they get into an elevator and then they start spitting and doing all sorts of things to share the, the sickness have you guys seen that no oh my word no i have not <laughs> and this is to show you that we are we are happy people and we are living in this happy world but it's also such a wicked world where you're diagnosed with something and you decide let me just spit on all of the parts of the elevator and all of the you know the the little numbers on depending on which floor you're going on mm-hmm. and then the next person comes in yeah they're doing it they're like listen i'm not dying alone but guys this is not the corona show like i said this is fashion lab and we are also urging you to stay tuned <laughs> as we continue Uh, stay tuned to catch up with our wine style guide where we touch base with everything stylish about wine and style hands. and lastly uh, there's also my favorite segment at the end of the show called who would you want to dress and why so feel free to share with us your who's and your why uh, keep your tweets coming we're on Fashion Lab 8 on Twitter we're on Fashion Lab Africa on Instagram and Facebook and we definitely want to hear from you Okay, so I'm bringing you this week's fashion alert. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's fashion alert. So this week, we are going from Victoria's Secret straight all the way to India at Nadan Denim. So this is what happened. Okay, Victoria's Secret dumped hundreds, and when I say hundreds, I mean hundreds of bars outside a recently closed store. Okay, so who revealed this? A lady by the name of Melanie Galinas, who's a Colorado woman who was going outside in the evening just to throw out her trash, found heaps and heaps of bras that had been thrown out onto the streets. These bras looked new, they were fine, and honestly, she was just perturbed at why these bras would be on the streets. And it turns out that Victoria's Secret had just closed down that particular branch, and instead of doing anything constructive with the bras, they decided to dump them there. Now, before I carry on with... Before, sorry, before you go on, could you please send me the address, please? Like, where they were done. <laughs> okay, so there? it was 123 like, Colorado. Yes, <laughs> right? Crazy, right? Well, firstly, before I explain what the uproar was about, what do you guys think about this? Well, I think that if you send me the address and the brothers are still there, I can get someone to collect them. Edgy, can you go collect them? Cause yeah, I will. Much, yeah, because I'm not playing around. Like, it, that stuff costs a lot and it ha- it actually fits properly. So I'm <laughs> I'm really serious about finding someone to pick it up for me. Can Edgy, please, that's that. your... That's my feedback today, right now. Yeah. Now. I, I mean, I would also love to join you. I mean, let's do this as a team. That's exactly, that's exactly what this... Can we, can This is exactly what this lady was saying. She's saying that there were at least hundreds of bras. She said um, they were just there. And obviously after this, they're going to a landfill because after the trash people come and pick it up, it's gone. So she was just trying to understand why they didn't give these to homeless people or take them to a shelter for at least abused women or anything like that. It's such a waste of money. Listen, wouldn't I'm not even abused and I will take them, okay? Exactly. It doesn't have to be abused. I can... <laughs> 
<laughs> rather than throwing them on the street. But apparently, this is something that is actually done by a lot of brands and a lot of people in the fashion industry. So a spokesperson from Victoria's Secret actually confirmed that these discarded items had come from a Victoria's Secret store that had recently closed and it was nearby. And then they apologized for this and they said, okay, they know how it may appear. Uh, but they said that the store was closing and they took out the sample products uh, that they obviously couldn't sell. And they took them out of the fitting rooms and just discarded them on the streets and then they took the remaining inventory and real reallocated it to other stores but this is exactly what it is this is not the first nike h&m burberry have all resorted to similar things and these are actually very environmentally friendly practices so it's not new several other brands have been called out for doing similar in the past so what they do is when they close the store instead of giving it away or taking it to charity or giving it to people or selling it really really cheap they would much rather damage it for example nike had like a full bag in 2017 rather they discarded bags and bags of these sneakers they left them outside the store in soho and they resorted to slashing the sneaker from the front to the back just to make it unwearable so even if a person on the street picked the sneakers up they really couldn't do much with it because they'd been so badly damaged and then they explained they couldn't explain why they slashed the sneakers but they just said that these sneakers were not suitable for resale and they couldn't donate them um so other brands like um h&m yeah i'm curious uh, uh, one second edgy you're very quiet in this conversation yes edgy <laughs> Are you well, guilty? Um, this is a very, very unfortunate circumstance. It's actually, I'm making jokes about someone sent me the bras and I'm serious about it, but I'm not, it's not funny. It's actually in 2020 for this to be happening. It's alarming. They could I, think have, it's, I think as a brand, it's a very selfish thing to do. Mm, knowing yes. that there's so much need around. I mean, there's so many ways that to think that a brand will today think of taking everything they have and putting it in landfill or just discarding them yes. when there's so many ways of actually deliberately gifting products that can help people so many channels for help exactly. and they didn't do that and considering that a lot of the work is done by all these poor people who actually do the work and then there's an opportunity to give them something and you don't and you just throw it away and i wonder how they do that with a straight face what about the employees who are working for them who have to see this i mean how what a painful they literally they have to walk past it like you're leaving work and you're leaving heaps and heaps of bras that you can't afford outside the store and you have to walk past them it's crazy but they're not the only ones h&m is guilty h&m actually went the burning route they went as far as to actually burning the clothes um which is even crazier and even damage the it damages the environment it's not only selfish because you could just give the clothes to somebody else but then you further damage you further burn them and then cause great um, harm to the environment and in july 2018 burberry was also accused of something similar they revealed that they had destroyed 37 million dollars worth of unsold clothes and accessories in order to protect their brand so basically they're just being selfish to the extent that they say you know we'd rather not give this to poor people because poor people are not supposed to wear burberry we can't give it Mm -hmm. to our staff we would much rather burn it or destroy it we can't take it to charity our brand is far more important than doing any good 
It's crazy, but there was a. It's so unfortunate. It is so. In fact, it really, I, my heart really bleeds. I'm not even playing because in in a, in 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 with the conscience we have today and with the knowledge we have today. And with the fact that people understand, I mean, there was a time maybe where you'd say you didn't know as a brand, but mm-hmm. there's so much around us. How can you, how can you wake up as a brand and actually do that and still go to sleep? Exactly. I mean, brands just it, need to be hard. more responsible. I think. It's um, it's really especially now when fashion. To be honest, I think that fashion has done so well in being in kind of injecting itself into what's happening in the in the society being eco-friendly being sustainable mm. so many brands are doing so much work working with the un and all of this so to to hear this this these cases this these kinds of things you know you feel very disappointed because there are brands that are actually doing a lot of work mm. which other brands can just destroy with a stroke you know yes. yeah um, I, ju- I just i just want to add on to your um your fashion alert today that you know even the Burberry brand who brought in about 3.6 billion dollars in revenue uh that was 2018 i believe mm-hmm. they actually put 36.8 million worth of their own merchandise but like i said what where is the where is the conscience exactly to destroy products worth 37 million dollars just destroy them so yeah but burberry did apologize and they issued a statement that they would stop using this process and so we hope that that was the last time they did that but um yeah that's just about it for victoria's secret it's still a developing story we're yet to find out what they plan to say are they also going to commit to not doing this in the future we don't know but all we can say is that brands can really really do much better so i did tell you that i also have another story for for you and this one is from india so there was a fatal fire at a major indian denim supplier and it highlighted the lack of safety standards that exist in this industry basically so apparently a lot of fires take place or take happened in this industry but it's just different day same story a fire breaks out in the garment factory the exit are shuts the workers die because they just couldn't get out so nadan denim is one brand that has actually been affected by this they um a fire broke out on saturday evening and it killed seven workers and the only exit that was available was via a step ladder so guys listen in this case uh, the preliminary probe has revealed that the factory had only one exit this exit is also used as an entrance it's only accessible with a single ladder it's on the first floor to a two-story building so if the the fire's upstairs you literally have to run downstairs to make it through that one door and use a ladder to get out and there were no fire safety measures in place according to the reports so seven people died in this fire and Nadan is actually one of India's largest denim manufacturers and supplies more than 20 local brands, including Walmart, H&M and Mango. Can you believe that in 2019, things like this still happened? And apparently it's quite, it's, it's quite prominent. I mean, it happens quite a lot. 2020. So 2020. Even, <laughs> I cannot believe that this is happening. Right. I cannot believe yeah today's fashion alert is quite shocking it's just it, it's, no, it's the downside i'm trying to get my hunky <laughs> yeah but you know you know it's uh, you have to understand that fashion is a business and mm. a lot of these companies for them is just how to save money 
Yes. And sometimes safety regulations are expensive to implement, you know? Yes. And they're just cut corners. And, you know, the thing is, a lot of manufacturers, a lot of vendors, a lot of big stores are helping now to control this insanity mm-hmm. where they are like, okay, if the factory is not certified safe, they're not going to buy your product, you know? Yes, but yes. Some, fact- some of these, some brands are not doing that. So there, there's still plenty of room for for these things to happen because there's still lots of loopholes. I mean, the majority is still a big, a big loophole. Mm. The control part of it is still like the growing, the small part of it that is growing, you know, but it is growing. Mm. you know um it's very really sad it's really sad am i the one feeling sad today where yeah, i am or is we all are but apparently in india this is a common practice to keep workers inside the factory so basically once they've entered and they start their shift the idea is to shut the exits and keep them there apparently the staff the the employee employers rather do this for a variety of reasons is to minimize lost time due to extended breaks bathroom breaks smoke breaks so they basically lock them in so that they don't waste company time or waste the factory's time sounds to me like we're back to roots again yes. i mean that sounds like slavery, slavery. and i feel like exactly and, and another question also is like who and i'm i'm curious as we are talking is it the labor laws that are supposed to actually regulate these issues or does it have to be the ngos who come in because even the labor laws are not strong enough and do not have the humanity aspect of of, of being able to to to, to take care of of the employers i mean like what is this i think what happens is a focus thing so so sometimes the eyes are on a particular place like in china bangladesh and those places clean up mm. and while those places are cleaning up the eyes are not on on other places yeah, that, are like that are just mm. so the people who are doing the bad things in the places that are cleaning up will then migrate to the places that are not cleaning up where nobody's looking and by the time people look it's already too late they've done whatever damage they want to do it's just the way it's again it's 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 just money uh, mm-hmm. where can you operate without where can you gainfully operate gainfully by killing other people maybe mm-hmm. but it's just it's just being you know, business being business you know and i think uh, fashion will continue to fight this even us talking about it is part of this fight um but yeah it, it's um i mean the, 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 the i mean the good picture the the the, the, the like the the sunny side of this horizon is that people are looking and the fashion industry is trying their best on the bigger end mm. but the fast fashion market where the retailers are smaller the chains are smaller but numerous that market is hard to control and that's where a lot of these bad factories are selling you know Hmm. but it will continue to clean up i'm sure it will and we have to continue to talk about it to create awareness so yeah yeah, obviously these situations and these circumstances that these workers find themselves in is obviously it's bad for them because they're not getting much air they're not getting sunlight this leads to them being sick a lot of the times they get bladder conditions because they really can't take that many bathroom breaks but the factory still sticks to the fact that they're trying to keep them in there they try and say that it's a fear of theft there can only be one exit and one entrance because at least they can control that because they say that some of the factory workers steal the merchandise or smuggle it out. And so they make getting out and getting in very, very hard. But also in this 
one flip of the coin is that now they've made getting out very very difficult and it's led to seven people or seven of their employees actually dying so basically factories really need to invest in healthy and empowered employees and it seems that they do apply this but only on paper they make it look like they are on their website so that they can make investors and they make customers who visit their website think that they're actually compliant meanwhile back at the ranch literally there is just chaos and they are not treating the employees very well so uh, what i read is that what they need to do or what the suppliers need to do is to actually take initiative and not just trust what they see on on the websites or online they need to actually visit the suppliers or visit the factories and if they think it's obviously going to be staged they need to plan pop pop pop-ups where they just arrive unannounced because obviously if you arrive unannounced they don't have time to fix the mess you know and also have local liaisons who are well known in the area who know the situation and who can get the on-ground information rather than if you know that on tuesday the third the big boss from wherever is coming to do an inspection obviously you'll make the situation look better than it actually is but if you have somebody on the ground who's monitoring the situation who knows the locals they'll probably tell you the real story so those are the stories for today very very sad I think, right, just to just to add something a little bit i think one more thing that we need to do and fashion needs to do is to encourage unions you know mm, in this yeah. a lot of these countries there are no unions so the, the the workers have no power to dictate what happens to them yes. but if fashion is fashion aggressively pursues unions where it says okay look if you don't have a union we can we can work with you we can we can buy from you those kinds of things even if even if it's just a quasi union not the real thing it, it does help workers can report things freely yeah um, and it's better regulated as well when it comes yeah. to what's happening and how to fix it and i think another thing we need to do is report these people to the cnn freedom project because they need to be on that show that ending modern day slavery program mm-hmm. that's so i'm trying to really look at it and i'm like the labor laws i don't know what the labor laws in india are and wherever else people are being treated like this but if the labor laws cannot protect them this is really a cnn freedom project please you know what we're gonna do what <laughs> i think we're gonna send a fashion lab correspondent in at some point uh, seriously oh oh since he's not here today what if we got to do this what if <laughs> <laughs> have a what? hidden camera thing interview people look at things oh. and on the ground mm, this could go i broke up those little secret cameras so that you look yeah. like a mm. little necklace a pendant in your neck which is well if yeah well thank you so much uh for tuning in that was myself mbalente on this week's fashion alert i will catch you next week boop, 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 boop. awesome <laughs> thank you so much Yes, I want to also just share with uh, our listeners that one of the biggest environmental impacts when it comes to destroying excess inventory, when it comes to burning specifically, mm. is carbon emission from burning. Yes. And people don't read that. We should all be moving away from all of these types of burning. Now, you think about polyester, which accounts for 60% of the total fiber market, which comes from oil. It actually comes from oil. So now you look at it and you realize when you burn polyester, you're actually burning oil. 
So there's a contribution of um, um, CO2 that's actually coming out of there. And then there's a ton of chemicals and sort of finishings also mixed up and, in the, and mixed up in the clothing and textiles through dyeing. So imagine all of these things getting burnt. When this stuff is burnt, it obviously filters into the air. And then when they, no, we move further, forward and rea realize is clothes were never even worn. These things came from the shop into the, wherever they've dumped them and burnt them. So it's really unfortunate. This stuff was made by somebody. So when we talk about environmental impact, honey, this thing goes way deep. But I mean, values. seriously. I'm sure that you guys agree that when you look at it from the basic of the lifespan of this garment, to how it is from the beginning of just the structure, the labor in it, what goes in it, getting it out there, then it goes into the shops, then it goes through that process, and then somebody decides actually we're going to burn and uh, burn about whatever it is, a million pieces that that we don't want to do anything with, and then this goes back into the uh, into our into it's it's too much, it's too much. So they estimate that twenty six billion. Um, pounds of textiles go into landfills each year and just think about that the water that was used to produce each garment like a t-shirt would take about two liters of water to produce from just dying and all of the processes that go into it and so just imagine two billion pounds of that textile just we're talking about the burning and all of that but just the water though that was used to produce those that's a huge resource waste you know that, so this this thing is so far-reaching that I think that it does. I mean, we are so far deep in it that it will take years to get out, get ourselves out of it. But I mean, every little thing would help. But this is um, this is uh, just the the throwing away of these things without use. It's just uh, it's disgraceful. Throwing away is disgraceful. Burning it is even more disgraceful. It's now gone to the environment. It's beyond just, this is really like, God, we have some big problems to solve. It's, this is crisis. These yeah. are crisis moments. Big, 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 but, big one. Guys, you know what? You're tuned into the Fashion Lab radio show that dissects the business behind fashion. And we don't want to make you sad, but we want to give you the whole dose as it is. It is the truth of the murder and we cannot sit and, and start bringing roses around it. It's really what it is. And it's nice for you to actually know what's happening so that you decide how to play and how to respond in this game. Now, um, today, obviously, we are going through a recap of shows and... Um, we want to touch base. I think we're going to start with economic robbery, which was one of the conversations that we had. And uh, it was definitely a very big thing. Um, I think one of the highlights for me, not a highlight positively, was one in 12 African children die before their fifth birthday. And then you've got 34 million children in this continent being deprived of primary school education. And we have the lowest, Africa has the lowest secondary school enrollment rates. So you've got 40 million young people out of work in our continent. It's crazy. It's a crazy time to be African in this continent. Meanwhile, <laughs> the companies are connected to 44 of Africa's 54 countries appearing in the Panama Papers. Please, there is no confusion here. We cannot say we are confused or there's a coincidence. It's, it's really, it's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons to be positive um, in this time, in this continent, uh, you know, despite the challenges. Uh, but I feel like uh, this is something that we discussed. Edgy, I'm sure you remember it as well. You are on the show. 
and we opened it up, um, speaking about opportunities, speaking about what's really going on, speaking about big, great potential, like, you know, our ag agricultural industry, which is big. I mean, finance is also big, obviously. Um, and just being able to make sure that we go back to this situation. H is there anything that you want to add on to open up? Just, I mean, like I said, it's, we're just recapping, but it's um, it's a big conversation, and I think it's it's we didn't finish it. We just start. We barely we just barely started it, but it's something to be conscious about or cognizant of. Me, like on this topic, you know, I'm just so partial to it. Just being African and all, I feel like we are such a big. Um, I mean, we're such a big resource base and everything goes away from us. You know, everything just flows out, doesn't flow in, you know. Um, all our resources flow out, uh, made products flow in. So we spend money to buy something that we owned, you know. So it's, um, it's a tough situation for me. Um, I, I know that a lot of our salvation is in us investing in processing our goods, processing our products, so that it, it can't come out of Africa finished. You know, one way of stemming the robbery. I mean, I think the robbery is a feeling, um, in a sense. Uh, I do think that it's a negotiation. We give them, we sell something to them. Um, we lost in that negotiation. But if we can produce our own stuff, maybe we could negotiate better, you know, because it's You mean if we had a stronger government set up? Because yeah. governments who are really like selling us out, I'm tired. Someone Seriously. please get, get me some Liz Ogumba wine or some milk or something, I don't know. But like, jeez. I mean, Liz, think about like, I mean, forget fashion, forget cotton. That's like going really big. But just think about like oranges and mangoes, you know? And we, yeah. we're not we're not processing our own mangoes you know processing our own orange juices and we're buying them or some people will come and set up an, a, a mango thing for us and we just so it's just i think the 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 the, the salvation is in the, the salvation is in in just finding a base we need a resource, we need a manufacturing base in Africa, a post base in Africa to begin to really turn the tide of this. Because when you talk about it, it, it does hurt just talking about it, you know, <laughs> kind of, I mean, like we don't have a denim meal in Africa, you know, that is reasonable. I mean, like Africa produces most of the cotton, right? Africa produces so much cotton mm -hmm. and we don't, you know, we don't have a cotton meal. You know, you know. For me, Edgy, what I also think is there is other problems that are even deeper and deeper underlying, like the tax evasion thing. I mean, tax avoidance, tax evasion, whatever you want to call it, tax dodging. It has to stop because at the end of the day, we could have lots of millions and millions of new jobs and for young, well-educated Africans in this continent. There could mm. be going on, but if the government are not paying attention and not finding ways to be able to manage this tax abuse because that's that's a big edgy in the continent tax abuse is a really big thing and what it what the, the impact of it you know african countries lose the most from dodging taxes and if the governments do not do something to sort of push some sort of reform of the global tax system and maybe demand some some action or some, you know, something from this country, like the bigger, like the bigger spaces, like the UK, whose financial centers sit at the heart of the global network of tax havens. 
there's nothing we're gonna be able to do much so I oh you mean you mean for, to charge them taxes when they take things out right yes but also evasion of taxes generally in the continent is a big thing and that's why a lot of people have all of like you look and you see and you think wow we are really doing well but when you really pay attention a lot of this is all offshore accounts and if any way to just evade taxes that's what everyone with the big that's what all the big money boys and money girls do in the continent but you do know you do know the governments benefit from that because if they enforce taxes then they can't steal so much anymore so. <laughs> I think that there's a lot we uh, we have to do, obviously. We spoke about on that same topic around economic robbery. We touched a bit on the IP and cultural appropriation, which is also a big... Uh, we also spoke about the African clothing and textiles that sort of been taken over when you speak about the cotton, for example. We also spoke about um, post-game production taken over by China, which was uh, something we're looking at more from a beyond Africa perspective, and we spoke about it. I think that was, I was also in Brazil at that time, where I was just looking at the whole cost of population and realizing people are out of work. China now has decided and figured out how to make these things for a tenth of the price, for a, a hundred of the value. So, um, I think for me, uh, the in a nutshell, for me, the economic robbery, I think for us, one of the things we have to do is to pay attention to. We speak about the business behind fashion, and I think that if you're uh, in the business of fashion, I think being able to understand um, what the economy means, uh, what it is, what it is, what it stands from a value perspective, and uh, how you can be able to elevate yourself through it, I think that 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 could be able to add value to our fashion businesses. It's about information as well. It's just about information and knowledge, being able to understand what's happening beyond who made, beyond your fabric shopping and sourcing and beyond which store you're trying to get into and beyond your Shopify store and beyond. There's so many things to think about in this value chain. But I think that one of the ways we have to empower ourselves is by understanding the economic trends and also being able to I don't know. Understanding is one thing. Being able to uh, manipulate it to our favor is another thing. But it's still a thing. I think that sometimes I feel like African con African governments who don't charge, they don't, yes, they don't pursue taxes. They don't so negotiate things properly. That's and also, problem. also just local taxation. Like if you're taxing lo your locals and you're not doing anything with the money, you're just stealing it, then, you know, then the taxation is so unfair. So right now they don't tax people or they don't find ways to collect taxes, but they also don't do anything. They just steal resources, sell resources. So it's, it's uh, again, it's such a deep thing that hurts so much when you think about it. But I think most most communities most societies grow out of public like out of private enterprise. So if mm. It's just that we don't have these enabling conditions on the ground, like in Nigeria, there's no electricity. So even if you're like really brazen, like really like like gung-ho businessman, still you're limited by just environmental things like electricity and stuff like that, roads and stuff. So uh, the thing is, if the governments were smart enough and just build some roads and provide electricity and do nothing else, private enterprise will grow africa on its own you know don't need governments doing yes. anything, you know yes. so i agree i agree with you Edgy. You, you know these are very interesting conversations and i don't know who's got the answer to it but i know that um on you say on uh, so we have to reflect constantly be on the reflection mode to be yeah. able to 
how to get ourselves um, ahead of this. But guys, that is a, a bit on the economic robbery. Um, if you didn't catch that show, you're welcome to uh, tune in to the full show on uh, fashionlabafrica.com. Uh, and uh, you can also find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud, um, on Google Play. Listen to the show, share your thoughts. We definitely want to hear from you. But before we move on to it, just touch on to the next thing, which is the African clothing. So, guys, you're tuned into the Fashion Lab, and we are recapping on these shows. Um, we've just uh, touched base a bit on um, economic robbery, and uh, we just want to keep going with the flow. Sometimes you, I call it information overload. Sometimes we get so much information, and we're living in a world where there's so much information uh, sort of fed to us that sometimes you even lose track. And I think for me, this is a great way to keep you back on track. And just uh, for any of these topics we are sort of recapping on, it might be a show you might have missed. Uh, maybe you didn't see it. Maybe you didn't catch it. Maybe you were too busy, but here it is. And uh, we can open it up a little bit here. And then you can just go back onto the podcast and plug in. Uh, we are on Fashion Lab Africa on Facebook and Instagram. And we are on Fashion Lab AF on Twitter. So please share your thoughts. We definitely want to hear from you. Now, I want us to move, guys, um, into another show that was also something we spoke about. Uh, that was the fashion trend in Kenya, uh, which was, uh, I would say, we used the designer studio as our reference point because there's 22 interesting and different brands. They are not just fashion brands, but lifestyle brands as well. And uh, I felt like uh, that would have been, that was my great and my easier way, especially to talk about traffic. It was the easiest way to sit down and understand what the consumer is wearing, how they're wearing it, what they like, uh, what they're really on when it comes to fashion. Um, does anybody want to open up to that? I know that the one thing we can say, Edgy, is uh, in Bali, is that we all enjoyed the shades shares shades shares i mean there's a lot of brands in the shop and there's a lot of uh brands that gave us sort of the idea of which direction fashion is going towards when it comes to the consumer in nairobi right now but the for me i think the my highlight um was the shade shares um eyewear which was really cool um do we want to open up anything about it did you guys find anything surprising edgy from a fashion perspective based on the brands that we touched on um to just sort of give us an idea of what's happening and what the consumer is enjoying um did you feel like it's comparable to your market um in new york right now do you feel like it's uh comparable to a lot of other global markets where based on the people i mean for me on the same for me floor. that's true I mean, for me, that show was huge because, you know, it's it's so nice to see that this was happening in Africa. You know, remember, like we always said that we do better as a group, although individually we can stand apart. But as a group, we can always be a bigger force, you know, and that that whole concept showed that. I mean, the shared share was wonderful because it was such an abstract, like sometimes in Africa, we tend to think of fashion so focused, like so in this tunnel way, like yes it's clothing you know use but you know something like that was so quirky and to see that that was a big part of fashion in africa was was very was very mm, encouraging yeah to see that but also it leads me to something that i thought so sometimes i feel like when africans have money in africa they buy foreign brands of course we've always talked about this but when we join together like this, we become such a force. So it's almost like you can take this force outside and you can bring something inside into this force. So we, in a sense, we have to 
fashion wash you know like you, you have to like um you know like money laundering so you like fashion laundering in a sense where this this as a group they allow you to now infuse foreign designers in and then Africans can see how African designers are lining up against foreign designers from a style point, from just a sensibility point, from from a styling point, from so many points. And you can see that, yes, these African guys are actually competing. So I feel like in some way it helps, it could help, we could push that boundary to begin to see how can this group work with foreign foreign designers and how can we take what is happening with this group as a whole bunch into foreign into like a different market like in the us um to allow these brands to just commingle with everybody and then this whole idea of you're an african brand it, it gets lost because you're now being looked from looked at from just the point of your goodness you you use strength as a designer as a design brand you know um your competitiveness in terms of production uh design quality and all of these things, trends you know like how much you understand the trends um yeah. all of these things i think it, it's really for me that was the big takeaway that we can we're beginning to build the tom the, the the blocks for us to compete mm. yeah i really like i mean was there anything or any highlights or anything that on the reference point when it comes to uh, Nairobi. For me, um, yes, in your discussion that you had with Wanjiko, um, I, I really got uh, the, the sense that based on the store that you were in and as you were navigating the store, going through each aisle and each of the items and each of the products, I realized that in Kenya, there's a lot of support for local local brands because I remember all the names of the accessories and the neck pieces and everything that she was describing that you guys were looking at and discussing um it was local brands it was local names and she was saying that this is what they may they the, the ladies go for they are very if the, if you're for example if you're a lisa gombo kind of lady this is what you'll buy and for me that, that made me really proud it made me see that okay yeah they, they you the people in kenya are very loyal to their own brand and and they support local instead of always just going to the mall and buying your louis v's or your burberries and so forth so for me that was my major takeaway which was um the fact that people are really yeah they're very very loyal to their own br- local brands and they're supporting local would you feel do you feel like that doesn't happen enough in south africa as you would like to see it happen yes i i don't i i don't think it happens as much no i really don't because there was even a conversation there was a big story about how there's a, a designer i don't know if you're aware of him it's mark Corsa. so he makes um outfits or garments specifically like with nguni prints and Corsa prints and it, they're quite pricey they're very very expensive so a lot of people in south africa were actually saying that no why would we pay so much and he's got a specific market but people were saying but you're willing to pay double or even triple that for louis vuitton for gucci for versace for amani but when it's a local guy or it's local designers you want them to basically charge next to nothing and you, you don't want them to actually make luxury brands so i, I do feel like in south That's africa great. we we go to nelson mandela square and we think we have made it and then we shop all these international brands and we forget our own at times so yeah it's true that's the point i was making like you know it's almost like we have to deceive africans to like 
by African. So um, one way would be to, to mix up African brands with, with, with foreign brands so that Africans can actually see in their own eyes that, you know, these brands are really good, you know? I like the, I like the, uh, in, 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 in Brazil, they call it the Brasau, mm-hmm. which is, so I do like, uh, or I enjoy that, or I felt that when I was in Kenya. And like I said, the reason that, you know, it was easier to deal with one hat, which represents and holds so many other different types of lifestyle brands and fashion brands, was great also because then you also sort of see how they interconnect but you also see how the consumer walks in and how they consume like they can literally walk in there and walk in get a pair of shoes get a pair of uh eyewear get a pair mm-hmm. of jacket like you can almost it's like a one-stop shop but it's done with pride and it's done without question of what's across the shop from here or where else can i get this so i don't trust this footwear or so mm-hmm. i enjoy so I really enjoy that guy. So I think big up to Nairobi and big up to TDS and what they're doing and big up to more hubs setting up. I think that, like Edgy says, it's um, together is power. Um, so I think moving along together is, is, is a especially in this country, in that continent of ours called Africa. I keep saying in this continent. I mean, it's a different continent right now at 50 degrees heat. So let's not even go there. But... <laughs> <laughs> I am sure for those who are tuned in, um, if you're looking forward to catching up with this conversation, again, you can tune in. Uh, if you miss this podcast, uh, it's definitely on there on passionlabafrica.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, it, whatever you feel like doing and share your thoughts with us. But I think that that was a great reference point. And like I said, I look forward to Africa being able to set up more fashion hacks uh, that allow brands to, you know, be more present and more felt. In, in bigger ways and to also allow access so that the consumers can have access to all of this in one stop shop yes other than envy other than feeling running away from their shopping experience like i i find that i personally i don't think i actually like shopping i don't think so <laughs> i've realized only at my older age that i prefer to if i knew that i would go somewhere and get thing everything i need from head to toe then i'll go if I'm, if I won't get an app to keep walking and things, then I'm just like, I don't even try on clothes because I don't even have energy and patience. Mm-hmm. So I would then just get the stuff shipped to me or sent to me or someone go shop it and bring, so go shop for it and bring it. I don't want to deal with the hassle. And then I can try it and then if it works, then yay or nay. So I think this helps um, um, encourage that lazy consumer like me who doesn't want to be bothered because worried about walking into 10 shops in the mall when I could walk into one and get access to everything I need, you know? Yes, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Guys, that's um, a bit of fashion trending in Kenya. Uh, we want to roll over to a very interesting conversation at around textiles. That was joined by Madhu of Afrikstadel. I don't know if you guys remember that conversation, but that for me was one of the richer conversations as well. Rich, everything is rich here in different ways, but I'm just saying uh, it was a very, I was almost like take out your notepad and your pen because seriously, it was like being in class again. (laughs) So we went through uh, different textile conversations. Uh, We also went through the fact that, and like I said, highlighting, first of all, that there is the fashion 
textile industry is not dead and companies like Africa Bell based in Nigeria are actually doing something to really conserve I call it uh, textile conservation it's not just from an economic perspective but there's also from a cultural conservation perspective which I really love and respect I love culture and I love the fact that you know when it's there how do you actually protect it and how do you conserve it and how do you keep going um, so that was really good for me I, I really enjoyed that um, is there anything you want to highlight about Africa Bell Edgy um, what they're doing with the, um, with the textiles uh, before we move on to just opening up more about some of the key things like just redefine, not redefining but just opening up people's minds to understand the different textiles that actually play with that are still and still produced and manufactured here I think for me just what they do is it's like my worry was always you know how china is copying everything and just killing yes. killing our textile skills so to see what they are doing you know bringing it back more like a it's almost like a cottage industry thing yeah. um, so it, it helps us a bit in terms of it's just we have to do it in numbers we have to really yeah, and this is more like it's almost like anthropology in a sense where we say okay this is our heritage and we got to commit to to protecting it you know and it takes sacrifice because the easier ways are always you know cheaper and faster right so yeah. it's, it's going to be a commitment on our part but they are doing i mean they are fighting our war right now because mm. honestly china is bent on killing the skills because without these skills dead they can make money you know so mm. Definitely. And considering that we're also playing in a global textile industry that impacts everyone on the planet, and it's worth nearly about three trillion dollars U.S. dollars yeah. now, including the production, refinement, sale of both synthetic natural fibers used in so many industries um, around the world. So I think for me, this was definitely an important conversation to have. Um, I think for me also what what this is, like I said, is a lot of um, Africans live in this continent and don't know what's really going on in this continent. And uh, I think that one of the cool things we did is also focus on some of the really unique handwoven um, textiles that are, you know, no, known from that region, like Akwete, which is obviously produced in Akwete, in Abia State. We spoke about Ukarekte, we spoke about um, uh, the Ashoke. And also just had like, what was the person? We had Ashanwa Alioko, also breaking down uh, the fabrics and textiles through her videos, which were also really informative. Uh, we also moved to the East Africa. We spoke about the Kanga, the Kitenge a bit. Mm -hmm. We also moved to back to the West, to Ghana, speaking about the Kente cloth and also just unpacking it because a lot of people don't even know there's two types of Kente clothes. You know, you've got your Ashanti Kente, then you've got your Ewe, Ewe Kente as well and the details behind why it's so different, you know? And we also just really went through understanding um, also the South, moving to South Africa to understand Shweshwe a bit, you know, moving to talk about the mud cloth from the Bambara people. We really went around Africa, which was great because this is some times where we need to just take a pause and understand what is actually around us. Um, and then obviously with Afrika Bell, what I also really enjoyed for me was the fact that they don't just use uh, a clean slate. So, Edgy, I don't know if you noticed or if you caught that in Bali, is they actually don't just use a clean slate. So it's not like a blank canvas. They mm -hmm. repurpose or they continue to rework 
the existing textile. So like they will take an ashoke and rework it to build it up into something else, which I think was also very cool because then it gives it such a different twist. It's not just a blank canvas. It's like starting from somewhere that is already in existence and it already has its um, USP and its thing and then just reworking it to whatever it is. I also love the fact that their brands definitely focus on indigenous textiles uh, and then they sort of bring in that detailed contemporary interpretation to bring in something that is so cool and so different. So I'm really, for me, I was inspired. I was also, I was inspired. I just met these guys on the Instagram, by the way. And, you know, to be honest with you, right? So mm-hmm. our our biggest problem was how can we innovate, right? And this is what they do. They're innovating um, ways that how what what are the ways that today's African can produce what was done by yesterday's African, right? In mm. a way that doesn't lose what it is, the substance of it, but mm. keeps it the way it is, but enriches how we do it in to be in line with how we live today. And that's what they've been successful at doing. Um, you know, as we get more and more invested in those things mm-hmm. across Africa, I, I think it will be it will it will only help us, you know. Um, but that was that was my my worry how do we combat the loss of these skills you know because if we don't innovate we'll lose them and but they've they've, they've shown that we can innovate you know? mm. and i think for me also that what they're doing if in every region in this continent whether it's region from a city perspective or country perspective but if in every region of this continent you had about 10 of these setups do you know what that would mean I know, right? (laughs) So, because what happens sometimes, I also worry about a bit, is when you're one out of... You're one, you're the only one in the area, you know, in the long area. It becomes a bit hard when it comes to how to grow and how to develop the industry that you're playing in. So, from a textile perspective, because you're playing with the uh, Nana, well, Nana was not so is big, but it's not so big. You're playing with the Bliskos, you're playing with the big Goliaths. Your name is David, and you need a couple of Dave. I think you definitely need a couple of Davids to beat up Goliath. Not to beat up, but to to be in a position of being uh, influential, of being um, economically sustainable, and of even winning in the market. Otherwise, what happens is you're just a little fish corner in the fish island and you've just got so much fish did you understand what i'm saying yeah and also you know they gave us something else so normally africans okay we're talking about fashion right we're talking about the clothes that we wear and we're talking about our textiles but we're not talking about how we can actually make our textiles like people don't have to go to china to make african textiles they can come home to buy african textiles in africa you know and to, to tell you something, you know, like the, the Chanel that is used to make Chanel's jackets, the famous jackets, mm-hmm. there's, a com- there's a company in South Africa that does that Chanel. So we do have, I mean, like our our skills are trusted. Our skills are known. It's just, do we, we don't have enough of them shown out there, you know? So a company like Africa Stabil, they're helping to, to, you know, they're helping to show that there's this other side of Africa that can produce sophisticated fabrics that are African, you know, 
that are competitive yes. anywhere you gotta go. You, you know, with the influx um, of all of what's happening from China right now, for me, what I am concerned about as well is when I look like now, before I came here, I, I was in Kenya just now, not too long ago, just now. And I I normally buy the lesser, which is the kind of because I have a uh, thing. I've got my, for those of you who know, I am a creative, multidisciplinary creative entrepreneur. So I touch on, I'm trans, trans artistic. So I touch on music and fashion and I read these things and wine and what. So I have a dance called Chakacha. And the dance called Chakacha requires you to roll up this piece of cloth, which is called a lesser or a kanga. So wine, roll it up, tie it on your waist and wine. So this kanga, uh, I have seen it in some fabric shops. I've got a fabric supplier in Pretoria who supplies me African print as well. But if you want to call it, if you want, if you want me to call it in the street name, I'll tell you they're knockoffs. Okay, knockoffs mm-hmm. me. If I want to buy a, a real original African textile, an African, a real African wax print, then I know that it will be coming in six yards. It's not coming in a roll of like thirty meters with a width of whatever. Mm-hmm. So. That, so I know that some people don't, but I also know that I'll be paying more for it, and I know that it's heavier, and I know I know so many things about African textiles because I grew up in African textiles. But I'm just saying, on the flip side, uh, the lasso has also been counterfeited. I'm sorry, it is. And what happens is when I go to Kenya, I almost feel confused when I'm buying the lessos because they're so heavy and so the quality is like ten times of what you know, what people are getting on the other side. Same thing with the Maasai blanket. I've seen my suppliers selling Maasai blanket in a roll. I'm like, that's not Maasai blanket. It just has the checker color and the blue and the original blue and red of the Maasai and the checker, but checker print. But it's not, it's not a Maasai blanket. So I think for me, what I, what you were saying you were worried about a bit, I, it's already happening. There is um, a lot of counterfeiting. And then there's markets that, still are so conservative and so um don't know anything about what's happening so when i was in mombasa in Diemi, the girls say to me because i said to them i want to get more lessons and they say to mm-hmm. me those lessons for me and i said i don't want the knockoffs and they're like which knockoffs they were very lost they're like which knockoffs we don't have knockoffs here they don't even know there's knockoffs for lessons <laughs> so that means that there's still something really strong about the culture of the textile industry within certain regions in the continent mm. that to be conserved and that's why i say for me conservation is so key before anything else otherwise we lose it and then when it's conserved and it's present and it's people still feel it and people still respect it and people still will only wear that then you start building up from the people who never even knew there was counterfeiting happening and you yeah. start building that from there and expanding it to the rest of the co- re-expand it's like we are re-educating the africans about their own stories but you've got to do it that way i don't know but it's it's true it's yeah. true um yeah i think i think you're right about the re-education i think because i think africans are bombarded by so many things from everywhere just because <laughs> of government inactivity so some things suffer and i think some of the things that suffer is the, those cultural things that we we grew up on and those are the things that other cultures, other like capitalism has have to wipe out so that they can make money, you know? So we, we have to really find ways to innovate and bring those things back. So companies like Affixed Tabel for sure are at the forefront of that. 
you know and like you said if we have 10 of 10 companies like that doing a little bit everywhere across the continent we'll be then, we are up, we are, then we are taking over back what is ours and we are exactly. building it in some little way you know yes. little by little yes. little by little yeah. step Bali acquired in this lab but it's okay and, and leads leads yeah one more thing though as designers I think we can be the ones that can really help that. Meaning like, yes, yes there are these yes. amazing laces from France and wherever, but there's also this company that does incredible collections. We can build collections around what they do, you know? Very true. Yeah. And again, back to the thing, back to the notion of in each region of this continent, uh, maybe 10 brands, solid brands decided mm -hmm. this year, this is what we are focusing on. If you're in uh, Bamako, you say, okay, this is which fabric we are focusing on. And imagine that this 10 brands is just one region. So count all the regions, okay? And then mm. imagine where they showcase, where they'll probably show some shows locally, some shows internationally. They get to tell these stories and start retelling these stories again. Who doesn't want to hear those stories? Do you think there's yeah. anyone who doesn't want to hear those stories? And until we get to that position of being able to get up and say, this is my story, I'm pushing it for the year, this is what it means. Liz, yes you know that's why the, the design studio thing is so cool just imagine like if we're yeah. all part of the design studio and we decide as part of that like yeah. maybe five of us will use a fixed yeah. fabric you know i mean yeah. but being in a group like that we can make these kinds of group decisions that can help this yes. that can help us a lot yeah i so agree I really agree with you, Edgy. So you know what? Um, Bali, you're quiet, but I know that you're quiet because you agree with us. So I'm not even going to bother you. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. In position. <laughs> I'm like, when she's quiet, it means she's in, in, on a decor. Okay, guys. I think today is a very mellow show. I don't know if you guys, did you drink? Did anyone drink anything before the show? I'm just checking. No. Anything? I drank water. Water and Bali. I drank a cup of tea. Okay. And you? And you, please. <laughs> <laughs> Some wine. A bottle no, of wine. I, I drank. Uh, I drank uh, cacao. Come on. What do they call it here? You know the palm, the raw, the raw coconut. Oh, oh. yes. Uh, the, the, the juice. The so what do you call it? The, you know, I know this thing in different languages. I know it in Swahili, I know it in French, I know it in... I'm trying to think of what they call it here in, in, Portugal, in, Portugal, in Brazil. But anyway, I drank that because... I don't know if you guys checked out my blog. And I know that, guys, today sounds like a show that's all over the place. We are touching on Corona. I think we don't have one to touch on. But I'm just saying because we are human beings and we're real. This place, when you're dealing with a 50-degree weather, mm -hmm. you drink, I drink one of those... And I feel like my body and everything has just come back to life in like an amazing way. And I put up that blog on my Instagram. So anyone who's following me on Lizo Gumbo, check out the value that you get from that natural, um, so what do you want to call, what should you call it? Coconut, uh, coconut water? Coconut water. Mm. But, the, uh, but the raw coconut water. So the, not, not a ripe coconut. I saw that raw. video, yes. When they <laughs> opened it up right there in front of you and then, yeah. <laughs> Okay. So guys, I don't want to distract you from where we are, but that was a commercial break. But here we are, guys. We are talking everything around our recap um, on Fashion Lab. Uh, this is our 2020 first recap in 2020. 
Uh, we also care about what you guys want to hear about, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our last point and moving forward. All right. The killer laid and whiz on past Miss my head left turn Watch the crimson flow Brother man on the floor Ching, 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 let the dollars go Cause life ain't messing round no more Stone cold when they knock me out In the black of night I heard them shouting
Welcome back, everybody. Everybody. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it's the Fashion Lab show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, talking yeah. Recap. <laughs> We're talking recap, guys. We've been talking. We've touched a bit on economic robbery. We've touched a bit on fashion trending in Kenya. We've touched a bit on African Textiles 101 by Afrix Sabel. And now... I want us to touch on what I don't know how we're going to touch on. I think Bali, you're going to run this one or edgy, but just a bit of the recap um, shows. I know that we had a recap show in the beginning of the year and we opened it up for the listener you to actually share with us what you want to hear. And uh, I'm curious uh, to know how you're feeling so far. Obviously, it's not so long. It's not like we've had like six months and we're checking to see if you're happy about what we've been talking about. But at the same time, um, it's just about what we've spoken about based on what we, was, we had said we would speak about based on what you wanted to hear. So guys, what do you, uh, how do you think, what do you think we are, do, how do you think you're, we are doing um, so far on the recap shows? I mean, on the, how do you think we are responding? Because this is a real response question. And also for the listeners who are listening, you're welcome to also share with us your thoughts. But it, interesting to know how you feel based on what we are talking about and does it feel like it's hitting the spot and does it feel like yes okay no, I'll, I'll, oh go ahead go ahead <laughs> okay i think um in the show about what our listeners would like to hear we did get a lot of requests and a lot of questions uh surrounding the situation um or sustainability and i feel like if we've had a show about it but also every week i i think that whether we like it or not every week we find a way to get back to sustainability it's become like a constant with us so i do feel like our listeners and those that want us to speak more on that topic and speak more on that subject are definitely getting what they would like and even some more because we we don't limit it to one week we've given it over every single episode since then so i think we're doing pretty well and i think from a so I think it's subconsciously because the truth of the matter is this is a then how you realize when we say when I say water is life and fashion is water water is fashion mm-hmm. fashion is life it's the same thing here where we are not planning it wasn't a, it's never the topic yes. yet we haven't done it as a topic but the fact that it touches every aspect of fashion mm-hmm. shows the importance mm-hmm. of it and the fact that it is its significance in fashion. Mm-hmm. Whether we want to talk about it or not, it is there every day. When we spoke to uh, Odi Odero uh, and had an exclusive with him around uh, the island brand, island tribe brand, that was one of the key things that was weaving through the conversation, not because we wanted to talk about it, but because it is a part of that. And mm-hmm. that's just... So I really think that this is a truly a real, um, really important conversation that touches on fashion and fashion fashion also touches on in such a big way. And so we will keep talking about it, but I think we will, when we open up this topic or when we start, we may have to have a couple of series on it, but we obviously will also have to have um, a couple of specialists on it as well. Mm. But mm-hmm. it's a big happening. So that's a good thing. Like really the sustainability is. series, <laughs> a four part. Yeah. For <laughs> yeah. mm. so, so 10 parts. <laughs> how much information me, how think, many experts <laughs> yeah i think for me it's like the more we touch issues i think some of sometimes our shows uh you know they are what they are we focus on some narrow things but sometimes we focus on things that are wider not beyond fashion 
you know, like today I feel like we're talking about things that they're almost, they're <laughs> they almost like having little gumbo wine. I know that. Well, they are like <laughs> more some kitchen table things, some kinds of you know fashion <laughs> things. But we are touching a broader environment because we are part of a broader environment, and fashion understands that too. You know, so it's. I think we are we are growing into this. Though we are getting wider and wider and broader. Uh, and connecting fashion to these broad uh, spaces. Uh, so it, I think we're doing good. Yeah. I also think we're doing good. And I think that um, uh, the topics uh, that we are discussing, obviously, again, they come up and they come and go. Thanks to Odi Odera also contributing on the show. And um, I think the insights are great. Uh, and I think that we can continue talking about these things fashion is not uh, fashion like i said is life so we can divert i mean look at us talking about corona a bit or touching on corona not because it's it's not just because it's the topic in the news but it's because it actually touches on fashion whether we like it or not i mean that's the that's the china china is the you, you, when everything is feeling a bit like no wonder you're in your pajamas you're feeling a bit stranded it's okay. The industry is feeling stranded. Absolutely. But, yes, and it's not that we want to talk about Corona, but Corona is affecting a region that affects fashion. So there's, that's there you go. So um, I really think that it's really cool for those of you who are tuned in to uh, keep uh, your tweets coming, keep uh, reaching out to us. Uh, we definitely appreciate your listenership and we appreciate your attention uh, while we run this show. Um, but I think that this is really uh, on that at that point where we want to sort of take a different turn and i uh, hope that this recap shows that we've sort of touched on a bit have given you some sort of insights again if you missed those shows there on the podcasts on fashionofafrica.com uh, itunes soundcloud google play um check them out share with us your thoughts um edgy thank you for your feedback and your contribution and um bali also thank you for your feedback and contribution bali today your fashion alert was quite long but very well not long because we took it over we obviously take over everything there's no boundaries <laughs> long <laughs> long and troublesome <laughs> and she think it, it was, was just two stories <laughs> yeah but you know what it is, the stories are so they're so deep and they're so they really touch us you know Humanity cannot, we cannot separate our humanity from our industries. We are human beings, but we are in the industries that we work in or play in, and, we, and they are interconnected. We cannot separate ourselves from that. And if we do, we are dead. There's nothing like that. Absolutely. So I think that for me, it's really good to share with us the news because I don't get to see as much news as you always give us the biggest dose from you. Mm. And I wouldn't um, I be doing any justice to them if I don't tell them properly. <laughs> Thank you. And, and if we don't come in, also if we don't come in and take them over, then we haven't finished the fashion alarm. Yes. <laughs> it feels like me and Edgy have stakes in there too, where we have to put our two cents before you finally. But I think Liz, it's really good. Yeah. I need to talk. We need to. I know this, this show is not about the coronavirus, but I need you to know <laughs> that it is tearing us apart. Like I have things that can't come. Look, China. We can't get anything from China. Like nothing is sure until April sometime. I mean, mm. I'm talking April sometime. You know? If so, it doesn't get worse, if it doesn't it get is. worse, it is really, really bad. I mean, like fashion is quiet, but you have to understand, China is the engine, though. Mm. Just think yeah. about it. So okay, how about this, guys? Thing. Let's talk about Corona next week. Is that a deal? Yeah. Corona. No, let's not talk about it. <laughs> Edge is going to cry. <laughs> 
<laughs> actually we have to open it so people can understand it um because like you said yes we are touching on it and sort of tiptoeing around it but it's a big thing and it's really affecting um people and i think that bali will have some really good news from there as well but i think that this is a great way to open up the conversation so people can see how one little crisis can become such a big global crisis from an industry perspective well also from a humanity perspective i've told yes. you guys we'll send you those clips where the guys are getting in in after they've been diagnosed and just sneezing and spitting on all the things so that whoever touches anything there well you'll obviously have to press a number when you get into an elevator and that means you're probably sick when you leave you got in clean anyway that's that's the madness we, you, we don't i don't want us to cry again can we just move we'll to the cry next lab? week <laughs> let's in fact you know what we do let's first of all let's go let's move to the wine i think let's have wine before we move to the top three how about that okay it's time for your wine style guide brought to you by liz ogunga wines all right guys <laughs> it's very quiet in the lab <laughs> I, I think we're gonna start with you bali what's your wine style guide today okay my wine style guide today is when clicking glasses you must make eye contact with the other person otherwise according to a french superstition you will risk seven years of bad luck or seven year, years of bad hoo-ha you can guess what hoo-ha is <laughs> i was gonna say it's not bad luck but yes they say bad hoo-ha <laughs> So you don't want to risk that and you should also clink the glasses individually with each person on the table. So you know some people clink them with two people at a time and the arms are now crossing. It's very important to make eye contact, clink with one person at a time and don't cross other people's arms. That's my wine style guide. <laughs> I know it's the bad heart. That's got you laughing like that. <laughs> I was, I'm laughing because I was like, I didn't know you could be clicking. But okay, and I'm like, that's just making a toss. But yes. it's okay. It's yes. Yes. However, wait, thank you for that. We'll keep that in mind. Edgy, we are on to you. What's your wine style guide today? So today, my my wine style guide is, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm learning. So um, I have a question for you, uh, Liz. Mm-hmm. A question so, in the wine style guide. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's part of my wine style guide. Like, so... <laughs> Because I don't drink alcoholic wine, I drink uh, non-alcoholic wine. So, what's a can you can you put non-alcoholic wine? Can you pretend put it in a in a like a real wine glass? Yes, you should. It's not a pretense. It means that you are experiencing your wine. And yes, please put it in the wine in the in the in the in the, in the glass. If it's red, put it in a nice goblet or a nice. Put it in a proper red wine glass. If it's white, if it's rosé, put it in the right glass and drink it like you mean it. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah, AJ, I'm really starting to really like you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Only starting. Just starting. I'm going to do that today. <laughs> yes, please. And send me a picture. Tag me on it. I will. <laughs> and now guys, my wine style guide today is as you know, I'm in Brazil and um I'm here for the carnival, which is overwhelming me. I'm just overwhelmed. But on the truth part of the other flip side, um I've obviously got my wine business. Uh, I'm also selling up and stuff. Anyway, so when we go the, to the tastings, out of everywhere I've been, I find here very strange. So 
when I'm not really doing any big tastings, I'm literally having meetings with wine and meaning you, you, you still taste, but it's different when you're having a one-on-one -on -one situation. But so anyway, yesterday we went and we met um, wine consultant and when we obviously I carried the wine, the wines and we drank a lot of wines because you have to drink wine to talk about wine, unfortunately. And as we, you know, when the, when the glass goes down and the, uh, so the guy who's serving the wine is not in the area and then the person takes the wine and decides to just pour it in his glass and we continue talking and I'm like oh my god I'm gonna I'm gonna die right now anyway so what I'm trying to say for my wine style guy today guys is it is rude to pour your own wine it's very rude and the worst is when you pour the wine and then you put it back at the table as if you were drinking wine alone so what you need to do in situations where you've got maybe three, four people, however many you are, is mm -hmm. if the wine goes low, make sure that you top them up first and try to top it up in a way that you look at the wine left in the bottle and you decide if it's going to be two drops each, it's two drops on each. One, you have to reason. It's just a part of the wine culture. So guys, please do not pour your wine and also do not pour your own wine before pouring everybody else's wine. You go last. The last shall be first and the first shall be last in this case so i'm just sharing some based on my experiences and like i said i cringe and everyone wonders why i cringe and i'm just like god let me just let me help everyone out here so that's my wine style guide for today um we're okay. curious your wine style guides for those who are tuned in so if you want to share with us <laughs> please feel free to do so, do so on the socials and i want us to roll over to the fashion lab top three quickly so that we can uh edgy you're going to take one value you'll take one i think you can start with edgy just uh, based on the recaps and the show today fashion lab top three here we come for me my top my my top three would be my one would be what uh Afrix tabelle is doing i think these companies we need to support them we need to create collaborations and partnerships to grow this this idea in africa you know okay should i excuse go my, yes please bali please go excuse me edgy when you said africa bell's thing are you talking about the uh, textile yeah I, yes i'm talking oh, about like this oh, how we are how we are regenerating our textiles you know our okay. african textiles yes okay. okay cool um bali you should go what's yours okay <clears throat> sorry so my one is derived from uh, no man is an island but i'll say no industry is an island so i feel like the fashion in industry in general based on the four topics that we've covered being economic robbery and nairobi kenya and all of that I, I just feel like the fashion industry needs to know that in order for it to continue and for it to comply and to just continue to soar basically it must realize that it's not independent of everything that carries on or happens around the world so even here's our topic that is coming up next week the fashion industry is at the center but it needs to just take cognizant of everything and everyone around it who are the wheels that keep it going so yeah that's my top one wow. of the three thank you that's very, yeah thank you. that's very deep that's very 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 real i like that um i think for me my 
Passion Lab top three today would be um, consciousness again. Uh, the stories that we had on the news today on the Fashion Alert really broke my heart. Really, I just don't have. I just don't want to cry on the show, guys. But like, <laughs> it's just a lot. Really, this a lot. This is not uh, Doctor Phil. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I'll try to keep it in a Fashion Lab flow, but um, those little things—they're not little. They're messing with humanity. It's mm. really big things. Um, so I feel for me that. Um, I realized as we were talking through the show that um, it's back to consciousness. When we spoke about like burning clothes, you're burning clothes. People don't have clothes. People are living in poverty. Guys, I'm in Brazil in right now in a 200 million plus population of people. Mm. In Salvador alone is a population of 15 million people. The carnival has already brought in 3 million. I'm living, I'm in a place where I almost don't want to go outside. I'm, I panic before I get outside. Three million people are here for the carnival. Mm. In this one city, I'm not in Sao Paulo, I'm not in Rio. Forget about Rio and Sao Paulo. Ask Amanda isn't actually in Rio. You guys should ask her how she's feeling there. But all I'm saying is, when we spoke about the news, it really touched, it broke my heart. And then it breaks my heart more because I looked and I said, you guys, I don't know if you've been to any of the carnivals, like the Brazil carnival or the Trini Tobago carnival. But this carnival here has a lot of people working it's a very big industry it's the biggest economic month this is where the money comes in this is like the mafia month this is when mm. the economy is like this is the month this is the christmas here okay when it comes to finance as well and when you think about the economy and what the carnival brings in from an economic perspective because of the number of tourists in this country in this freaking month is shocking so i want to tell you when you think about like the hotels are charging 10 times the price right now, today. There is no accommodation here. If you came here right now, you'd have to live under someone's bed. The people and the vendors on the street, do you know what's happening? Because I take a walk on the beach every, I try to take a walk almost every day. They're living on the streets. So they've got their little boxes vending. And the night when the carnival is over, the celebrations, they sleep under the pepper bags there and, and wake up in the morning and continue hustling. Because they probably come and travel from different cities and different places and they have no way, where are they going to sleep? Mm -hmm. So these things that are, are making me feel, like I said, I don't know if you guys felt my energy today was a bit low because I, I'm feeling a bit, I'm just feeling as a human being that, oh my, there's something we've got to do about our human conditions. Mm -hmm. And then the news comes in for, through the fashion lot and I want to cry again. And so I think for me, the biggest thing that's going to set us forward, um, considering what you said in Bali, um, the thing that's going to move us forward, not just as an industry, but as people who can be able to be progressive as well, mm. is the, con the consciousness. Once you're conscious, then you know how to do things differently. So instead of splitting up the Nikes, you might as well take them to some somewhere. It doesn't even have to be a children's home. People need things. Mm. There's so much need. And, and, and this is the truth. So, um, guys, I hope that you guys have enjoyed the show. Um, like I said, I don't want to make you cry, but we are talking real and every week we come on here with different conversations. And uh, today, this is what we've come up with. But this is a part of you guys also realizing that we're not robots. We're actually real people. Look at Edgy in his PJs. I don't know what. He's just a I real know, right? PJ. Was just, it's, no? it's all because of Corona. What is this called? Corona? It's all, uh, all because of that. 
<laughs> so really in a nutshell i would like us to roll over to our last segment which is my favorite segment on this show who would you want to dress <laughs> and thank you and we would like to start with edgy in his pajamas today, <laughs> today, like to today i'm on fire though you are okay <laughs> today, today i want to dress rosario dawson in anything that's that's around me at this spot of the moment just because she just ticks so many boxes i mean she stokes people in so many ways she's so beautiful she is mm. <laughs> you want to marry her <laughs> let's oh. take it a step further <laughs> <laughs> No, we are not taking it a step further. Leave it there, but don't take it further. Let's just that woman it. is that woman is gorgeous. Okay, so you want to dress her today? Very interesting choice today. I'm happy you don't want to dress any of us for once. Okay, Bunny, who would you want to dress and why? I would love to dress Naomi Campbell. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, black don't crack. She still looks so beautiful <laughs> all these years and yeah she recently posted a very controversial photo on her Instagram you'll find it there but I think Naomi Campbell <laughs> If you go in the search you'll find it she's beautiful and I I would just love to dress that body Oh Okay I don't want to marry her though <laughs> uh, uh, Why well, you go halfway though It's okay okay it's all right <laughs> and you liz who yes. you want to dress today yeah i want to dress a brazilian singer called adriana calcanotto because first of all i learned her song and actually i can sing it i don't want to say i can sing it better than her, but her music is <laughs> and she inspired me without me knowing who was inspiring me so you know when you're musically when you just on your playlist kind of plug into certain things and you keep plugging in and then you realize oh my it's the same person the same person then i decide okay let me check her out and i'm like wow and then I actually reached out to her her producers reached out to me and back and forth they literally reposted my freestyle session on her tune and it's a beautiful thing um to be able to be in a space where the only thing that's left is to sort of meet with her Apparently she's actually in this city as we speak so someone's going to try to hook me up with her. I want to dress her because she's a beautiful um musician. She's a vocalist and uh, her vocals are really heavy. And um I think also she looks like a boy. I mean nothing wrong <laughs> boy unless I'm just saying I would like to dress her so I can retransform her. I need her for a week in Lizogumbo just to retransform. Okay. Yeah. So please let's take that back. Stay, please chop that out, okay? I don't want to I want action. We need the intrigue of that. No, well I'm saying sometimes things can you know how these days we live in a Yes, everything gets resolved. Let's say someone grabs the audio bite and makes a thing with it. Next thing is all about the but you know, you don't even have context in those things. They just chop off that audio and splash it around next thing you're being called names that you're not but anyway we don't respond to what we are not so it's fine you can call me whatever you want i'm gangsta <laughs> <laughs> anyway guys this is the fashion lab guys i've really enjoyed the conversations today um i think like i said it's also a really mellow time and um i think it's also the the energy that this stuff comes with it's, you know it's the vibrations you know when uh 
we started talking, I just, there was just something about the tone of the show today, the tonality. Uh, and it's not negative, it's just human, because we are human beings also in this show. And we are responding to different um, experiences and different forces in this world, because we also live in the world, you know. And if we want to sit down and laugh about pancakes when something is burning, then that's not not cool. But anyway, any parting shots from you guys? <laughs> My parting shots, I just, you know, like, like I'm, I want to stay focused on us regenerating African fabrics. I think it's something that's very dear to me. Yeah. For me, it's... Um it, it goes with what we were saying, Liz, in our top three about when you know better, you do better. So, yeah, th- yeah. Th- those are my parting shots. When you know better, you do better. The fashion industry should know better. Other brands have made these wrong errors of judgments in the past. Moving forward, we should really try and avoid that. So, yeah. Very good. Very, very good. Mm, mm, mm. Guys, my parting shot is if you know what's good for you, keep tuning into Fashion Lab because this is where we really unpack. I don't know who else is doing what Fashion Lab is doing and unpacking it in this dose, but I think that if I wasn't Fashion Lab or part of Fashion Lab, I, was, I would still tune into Fashion Lab because, like I said, there's so much yeah. information and there's only so much time that we can have to research and find out what's going on in the world. And obviously, for you to stay ahead of your game and of everything, you want information. Information is here. And you don't have to pay for it, you know? So, guys, thank you so much for being fabulous. Um, uh, stay, thank you for holding it down there very quietly. And um, wish me luck, guys, in these streets where, like, every time I come back, I feel like I'm sick. Because, like, the rubbing of the bodies and the... I just... Eesh, yay. I think I just... Ooh, Lord. All right. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> it is peace out. Until next week, guys. Uh, take care of yourselves and uh, let's keep it flowing. Thank you, guys. Toodles. Bye. Fashion Lab Africa. Real conversations, real fashion.